for peace treaty. Not the one that you see in Victoria, not the one you see in Queensland. Well, here we are. Four minutes. As you know, we've been broadcasting during January, unlike many other people, both on the both on Artie and 3CR, but that's a different story. Now, a few things. We will be starting the vigils on Parliament House, the public housing vigils, and considering the statistics regarding public housing in Victoria, it's all more important. We'll be starting on February the 1st, which is the first Thursday, and yes, the banner has been repaired and updated, so it's all ready to go. February the 1st, midday to 1pm, and then we wander down the street for lunch. That's the way activism should be. As Emma Goldman used to say, I don't want to have any part in your revolution if I can't dance in it. So that's the first one. The second event will be the lunches in Carlton. They're back on board. It'll be Wednesday the third... Sorry, the dinner in Carlton. uh, Carlton North, I should say. On uh, the 13th of February. That's Wednesday the 13th of February. 6pm to 9pm at La Pulquetta in about 3, 380 uh, Raftown Street in Carlton North. You're all welcome, as long as you pay your own way. And if you've got a bit of extra money, you could help to pay for somebody's meal who hasn't got any money that evening, which is always very helpful. So come along. That's uh, for the rest of the year, second Wednesday of the month. That's all the way till December 2024, if we're still here. The third thing is we still haven't decided on a venue, a new venue for the Frankston lunches on the last Wednesday of the month. So if you've got any ideas, let us know because we need to start advertising for that, especially if there's a new venue. And I'm starting a new series of lectures or presentations, whatever you like, at the Footscray Hotel at 48 Hopskins Street, Footscray, on the third Wednesday of the month. 6.30pm for a 7pm start. Bring food. Obviously, you can purchase drinks at bar prices, but bring food to share. And I'm, I'm going to look at something fascinating, which I'll talk about during the program. I'm doing a nine-part series on Australia's penal colony. That's right. Eight, 1788 to 1866. I wonder if you knew that one in 45 prisoners that were sent to Australia were political prisoners. I'm sure you didn't. So we'll be looking at that when we start off the Scottish martyrs, but I'll speak more about that. Now, the other thing is that we've still got three extra small T-shirts. If you can't give them to your kids, put them on the big dog. It fits them very nicely. So uh, if you want one, just go to the 3CR website or give them a ring. Let's get rid of them. They're beginning to bore me. Uh, If we can't get rid of them, we may have to burn them. That's the way it goes here in the anarchist world this week. What else? Oh, it should be enough for February. And obviously there's many other things happening around the place. Um, There's many invasion survival day activities. There's the one at Parliament House. There's the one at the Briars on the Mornington Peninsula, which is quite an interesting one. There's the one at 5.30am at uh, St Kilda, which is hosted by the Bunarong Land and Sea Foundation. So there's plenty of things you can do 
or you can just ignore the whole lot of it. I mean, it's up to you what you decide to do on the day. So there are many things available. And last but not least, look, I've been broadcasting the anarchist world this week in various guises, I think, for 46 or 47 years. I think it's about time you pulled your weight. Uh, many of our members have died in the Annex Institute and are a little bit destitute, as they say. It costs about $100 a week in studio fees and affiliation fees to run this program. So if you can help like you did last year, give us a call on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. And don't forget the... Uh, the public interest before corporate interest uh, Facebook page is about, I think there's about 300 now, um, 20 to 30 minute videos on uh, various topics that you may find of uh, some interest. Uh, you can all that. So, little sacred cows have wandered in from the new temple in uh, India. They've just wandered in. They're a bit sweaty. And uh, here we go. Up in the air. A peace treaty. Not the one you see in Victoria, not the one you see in Queensland. Well, here we are. Four minutes. As you know, we've been broadcasting during January, unlike many other people, both on the both on RT and 3CR, but that's a different story. Now a few things. We will be starting the vigils on Parliament House, the public housing vigils, and considering the statistics regarding public housing in Victoria, it's all more important. We'll be starting on February the 1st, which is the first Thursday, and yes, the banner has been repaired and updated, so it's all ready to go. February the 1st, midday to 1pm, and then we wander down the street for lunch. That's the way activism should be. As Emma Goldman used to say, is I don't want to have any part in your revolution if I can't dance in it. So that's the first one. The second event will be the lunches in Carlton. They're back on board. It'll be Wednesday the third. Sorry, the dinner in Carlton, uh, Carlton North, I should say, on uh, the thirteenth of February. That's Wednesday the thirteenth of February. 6pm to 9pm at La Poqueta in about 3, 380 uh, Raftown Street in Carlton North. You're all welcome, as long as you pay your own way. And if you've got a bit of extra money, you could help to pay for somebody's meal who hasn't got any money that evening, which is always very helpful. So come along. That's uh, for the rest of the year, second Wednesday of the month. That's all the way till December 2024, if we're still here. The third thing is we still haven't decided on a venue, a new venue for the Frankston lunches on the last Wednesday of the month. So if you've got any ideas, let us know because we need to start advertising for that, especially if there's a new venue. And I'm starting a new series of lectures or presentations, whatever you like, at the Footscray Hotel at 48 Hopkins Street, Footscray, on the third Wednesday of the month. 6.30pm for a 7pm start. Bring food. Obviously, you can purchase drinks at bar prices, but bring food to share. And I'm, I'm going to look at something fascinating, which I'll talk about during the program. I'm doing a nine-part series on Australia's penal colony. That's right. Eight, 1788 to 
1966. I wonder if you knew that one in 45 prisoners that were sent to Australia were political prisoners. I'm sure you didn't. So we'll be looking at that when we start off the Scottish Martyrs, but I'll speak more about that. Now, the other thing is that we've still got three extra small T-shirts. If you can't give them to your kids, put them on the big dog. It fits them very nicely. So uh, if you want one, just go to the 3CR website or give them a ring. Let's get rid of them. They're beginning to bore me. Uh, if we can't get rid of them, we may have to burn them. That's the way it goes here in the anarchist world this week. What else? Oh, it should be enough for February. And obviously there's many other things happening around the place. Um, there's many invasion survival day activities. There's the one at Parliament House. There's the one at the Briars on the Mornington Peninsula, which is a, quite a interesting one. There's the one at 5.30am at uh, St Kilda, which is hosted by the Bunarong Land and Sea Foundation. So there's plenty of things you can do. Or you can just ignore the whole lot of it. I mean, it's up to you what you decide to do on the day. So there are many things available. And last but not least, look, I've been broadcasting the Anarchist World this week in various guises, I think for 46 or 47 years. I think it's about time you pulled your weight uh, many of our members have died in the Annex Institute and are a little bit destitute, as they say. It costs about $100 a week in studio fees and affiliation fees to run this program. So if you can help like you did last year, give us a call on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. And don't forget the, uh, the public interest before corporate interest uh, Facebook page is about... I think there's about 300 now um, 20 to 30 minute videos on uh, various topics that you may find of uh, some interest. Uh, you can all wait. So, the sacred cows have wandered in from the new temple in uh, India. They've just wandered in. They're a bit sweaty. And uh, here we go. Up in the air. Death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite Listen to the Anarchist Woolless Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist Woolless Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Where all Australians seems to be the big word at the minute. Well, if you wonder what anarchy is all about, it's not about being Australian. Anarchist society is a voluntary, non-hierarchical society based on the creation of political and social structures which are based on equal decision-making power, possibly direct democracy, where wealth is held in common and used for the common good. Very simple concepts. It's about kneecapping inequality, whether it's power or wealth. Most of the disasters we see in the world today are directly related to inequalities in power and wealth. And anarchism is the only 
political ideology or philosophy or way of life that actually tackles that inequality through decentralisation, direct democracy, and the list goes on and on. So, if you love your rulers, turn off the radio. Go do something productive somewhere else. If you don't love your rulers, well, keep listening to the Anarchist World this week. And if you think there are no rulers in Australia, think again, because we're told consistently we're all Australians. Seems to be the big slogan. I was uh, meandering down the um, southern part of Melbourne a few days ago, and there's this huge slogan being written on the side of of the wall. We're all Australian. No, no, not, not... you know, graffiti, but proper signage. And then Mr Walsh, the uh, National Party leader in Victoria, when he talks about ditching the process towards treaty in Victoria, he keeps talking about we're all Australians. Are we? Are we all Australians? Well, if you've got Australian citizenship, you do have some entitlements. You have the entitlement to vote. You also have the entitlement to be homeless. Uh, If you're an Australian, you've got an entitlement to get a passport, unless you've been a very bad person, and travel. But you've also got the entitlement to live the rest of your life in a dead-end job which doesn't actually meet your uh, needs financial needs for that period we're all Australians aren't we you can um, be a billionaire, billionaire in this country or you could be spending the rest of your life trying to pay off your debts whether it's your hex debt your rent your mortgage whatever are we all Australians What does it really mean? Is there any, you know, do we jump up and down when, you know, some soccer team wins a, or football team wins some international thing because we're Australians? Or do we cry when the last Australian drops out of the Australian Open in Melbourne? We're all Australians. It's a fascinating, a fascinating statement Because what it does, it papers over the increasing inequalities which we see in our society. Because as I keep saying on this program, it's the rich and infamous which get richer and more infamous. The majority of people in this country basically work to pay their bills. And if they're lucky enough to retire, they live from hand to mouth. I know it sounds a bit dramatic, doesn't it, living from hand to mouth? We do have a social security system, don't we? Well, we do, but we do also have mechanisms where corporate welfare, that's right, corporate welfare, did you know it existed? So we've got a social security system which pays people peanuts to survive, and then we have corporate welfare where every year we give... The 1% that own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication and the 8% involved in the, in the investment class, those people with disposable income, what do we give them? We give them, by law, good things, $60 billion worth. 
And that doesn't count the fact that in this country, the rich you are, you're basically involved in a voluntary taxation system. So, are we all Australians? It's a little bit like World War Two. You know, history is a wonderful thing. Remember when Churchill was talking about fighting the Nazis and we were fighting the Japanese Imperial forces and we eventually won both of those wars? And what did the British people do? They kicked Churchill out of office and elected a Labor government with social policies because they thought to themselves, what was the point of all that struggle? What was the point of all that struggle? The deaths, the destruction, the despair, the pain, the suffering. If we go back to a society which is exactly the same as the one we left. It's all very well to say we're all Australians and we should be out there you know, fighting to protect the country. But the fact is, what are we protecting? Are we protecting a society where everybody has access to the basic necessities? Are we protecting a society which is based on direct democratic principles? Are we protecting a society where wealth is held in common and used for the common good? Are we protecting a society where there is no childhood poverty? where people don't live in poverty, especially in a country as rich as this? Or are we protecting the status quo? The inequalities, the growing inequalities, is that what we're protecting? Is that what it means to be an Australian? Well, we may all be Australians, those of us who are citizens, not counting you permanent residents, asylum seekers and refugees and assorted other people, but we're really not. We're not all Australians. There's Australians who suffer. There's Australians who struggle. There's Australians who stumble from day to day. There's Australians who make a fortune. There's Australians who are billionaires. And all this is part and parcel of the political, social and cultural system we, we, are, we are part of. So think about it. With Australia Day Invasion Day Survival Day upon us, think about it. We're not all Australians. We may all be able to get a passport if we're citizens and we may be able to vote in elections at a local, state and federal level if we're citizens. But as far as other aspects of living in this country is concerned, it's about inequality. And that's what it's all about. So don't get sucked in to the fact that we're all Australians and everybody else is the enemy and that we need to struggle and you know, to maintain the status quo. We're not here to maintain the status quo. I mean, programs for the Anarchist World this week are about you know, encouraging people to actually destroy the status quo and create new institutions which are based on egalitarian principles. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, obviously, as I speak, the war in Gaza continues. It's now its 25-kilometre line of bodies, one metre apart. Think about it. 25 kilometres. You'd have to walk 25 kilometres to walk past every man, woman and child, Palestinian man, woman and child, 
who's been killed in the current carnage or slaughter, I don't call it a war. I mean, it's a war when both sides of tanks, it's a war when both sides of plane. This is carnage. But I'm interested in the increasing rhetoric that's coming out of the Israeli government. I mean, you've got to remember this is a government that failed miserably to protect its people. It had no idea that the Gazans were going to, the Hamas was going to break out of Gaza on the 7th of October. No idea. This is supposed to be the most sophisticated, one of the most sophisticated armed forces in the world. The government had no idea. They were too busy supporting the extension of settlements in the West Bank. That's what they were too busy. In Jerusalem, in East Jerusalem, they were too busy trying to gain more and more land to actually take any notice of what was happening in Gaza. So they failed the Israeli people there. And if a government can't protect its citizens, that's its greatest failure. Now we see the Israeli parliament, despite a little bit of urging elbowing from the US of A, continuing its program to annihilate, that's right, annihilate Hamas from Gaza. Look, it's been at it now for over 100 days. It hasn't done much of a job. I mean, we get a death toll of 25,000, but how many of them are actually Hamas fighters? How many Israeli soldiers have died in the current conflict? Difficult to find out. But what I'm interested in is the psychology of all this. And I remember World War One. not that I was alive during then, but you look at the historical account. And when the German armed forces were defeated in World War One, the Allies uh, extracted a huge price from the German people for their defeat. Huge price. And the dislocation which occurred as a result of that humiliation it wasn't just about defeating, it was about humiliating the German people, created the conditions which saw the rise of the Nazi party, led by Mr Adolf Hitler. And we saw what happened in that situation. And the thing about history is you can draw parallels. And the parallels we see in Gaza are very similar to the parallels that people saw in post-war Germany after World War One, Because if you think Hamas is some type of vicious terrorist group, if that's what we're told, the fact is that what's going to come out of the ashes of this particular conflict, whether it lasts six months or a year or longer, and whether the death toll you know, increases to 100,000, which likely could, could if things continue in the current trajectory, the fact is is that the hatred and the bitterness which is being created, especially among children, which make up over 45% of the population in Gaza, will create an entity, a new political entity, which will make Hamas look like a children's birthday party. And that's, that's the price you pay 
when you think, you can annihilate an enemy. The situation you create means that there will be no security for anybody in Palestine or Israel for generations to come. And that's the tragedy of this. The other tragedy is, you know, we hear about uh, the hostages. I mean, how many hostages has the Israeli military rescued in Gaza? None. It's actually killed some. Inadvertently, we're told. So on every level, the current program which has been, you know, implemented by the Israeli government is a total failure in terms of protecting Israelis, in, pro- in terms of providing security, in terms of resolving the Palestinian crisis. All they've done is added fuel to the fire. And that's why it's important that people continue to remember Gaza and continue to protest, not just in this country but around the world, to ensure that the carnage which is occurring currently comes to an abrupt end. This is the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano. Ah, the good thing about Mr Dutton is he learnt the Abbott lesson. You need to dog whistle. You've got to be able to dog whistle. And the coalition has embarked on an election strategy of dog whistling. There are elements in Australian society which, how shall I put it, I find, um, how shall I say, I, I find difficult to understand. But the thing is that by dog whistling, you can bring these people together. And Mr Dutton is hoping by generating fear in the community, exploiting that fear for political gain, that somehow the Liberal National Party will defeat the Albanese-led Labor Party at the next uh, federal election sometime early 2025. Now, I've been talking about this now for a year, so keep your ears and eye open for all that dog whistling. And when you hear it, call it out. Because the great thing about dog whistling is that you don't hear it. And if you don't call it out, it continues to fester and grow. Yep, fear. Fear is a wonderful, wonderful political strategy when it comes to elections, whether it's Mr Trump, whether it's Mr Biden, whether it's Mr Albert Neese, or whether it's Mr Dutton. It's about creating fear in the community. The fear that somehow the changes which will come into place are going to cause you some problems. Now I understand Mr Roger Rogerson of New South Wales Police fame died in palliative care. Nasty, nasty Roger Rogerson. 
and I was fascinated by the media response to the death of Roger Rogerson. You see, it was it's not about Roger Rogerson. It's about the corruption which existed in the Queensland and New South Wales police force from the top down. And that corruption went hand in hand with corruption in the Askin government in New South Wales and the Bjelke-Peterson government in Queensland that in many regards was supported by the media of the day. It was supported. Everybody knew something was happening, but nobody was willing to say anything. So it's not about Roger Rogerson dying. I mean, I don't think there'll be many tears shed for Mr Rogerson. But it's about the fact that his death should have highlighted, should have been used as a mechanism to highlight the corrupt behaviour which was occurring in those governments that period and the lingering effects it continues to have on governments at the state and federal level because corruption comes in many forms. It's not just the you know bully boy tactics of Mr Rogerson. I mean, they're the enforcers. But it comes in terms of the winks and the nods, the contracts, the money which kind of slips into this contract and that contract, the fact that legislation is pushed through power at the state and federal level which tends to, how shall I put it, um, assist the same people over and over again and enrich the same people over and over again. It's about those so-called public-private partnerships which always seem to help the private sector at the expense of the public sector. It's about the privatisation, which we now see, which we've seen for the last 40 years, which has got to the stage where Victoria is the place with the least amount of social, affordable public housing, 2.8% of the population. This is what it's about. I mean, Roger Rogerson was just the tip of an iceberg. And his death should not have been seen as the death of a bent cop. It should have been seen as of a harbinger of things to come. The fact that corruption, especially at a contract level, is becoming a significant issue in this country. Whether it's corruption which is based on privatisation, corruption which is based on contracts going to the same people over and over again, whether it's corruption which is based on the wink and a nod. But it's a real issue. It's a big issue. You can't prove it. They say to you, well, prove it, Joe. I can't prove it. But what I can see is inequality widening every year. What I can't see 
is governments acting like kangaroos blinded by spotlights which is shined on them by the corporate sector. What I see is the ballooning of corporate welfare while the 30% of Australians rely on social security benefits finding it more and more difficult to survive. What I see is the 60% of the population who are pay-as-you-earn taxpayers continuing to shoulder the burden. The answer is, if you've got a cost-of-living crisis, you eat the rich. We're not talking about cannibalism. When we're talking about cost-of-living crisis and eating the rich... What we are talking about is introducing legislation, because obviously there's no revolutionary movement in this country of any significance, that will actually ensure the profits which have been harvested by this minuscule section of society stop. For example, cost of living pressures, everybody's talking about tax cuts. Why not place a 1% financial transaction tax on every finance financial transaction of over $10,000? Billions of dollars come into the Treasury. Why not charge a royalty of 20% on every company in this country, every transnational corporation which is exploiting this country's natural resources? We are all Australians, they keep telling us. So if we are all Australians, why is it that we are not benefiting from the exploitation of our resources? Hmm? Think about it. There are many ways to tackle the cost of living issue. There's even the situation which occurred during the COVID-19 crisis where the government manufactured money in order to keep society functioning. So there there are many ways, many ways of tackling these issues. But we only see one way. We only see one way. Now, it's my sad duty to report on the anarchist world this week that my favourite auntie is on life support. I'm talking about ABC auntie. Now, most of you have forgotten that the ABC in the good old days, not that they ever existed, used to be called auntie. She was like an auntie, you know? The Australian Broadcasting Corporation. Now, we've got the employees... In the, in the media entertainment, whatever, alliance, whatever they're called, uh, working at the ABC, the union members, passing a vote of no confidence in their CEO. And then we've got the board passing a vote of confidence in the CEO. And today, that's right, today, Wednesday the 24th of... Uh, January 2024, isn't that interesting, 24th of January 2024, guess what? The Albanese-led Australian Labor Party appoints a former CEO of Foxtel 
and News Limited, that's Murdoch's uh, little baby, which was responsible for most of the um, misinformation, disinformation we've seen in this country over the last 50 years or so, gets appointed to be chairman of the Australian Broadcasting Corporation Board. Now, when Artie heard about this, she took an overdose. That's right, poor old Artie took an overdose. And she's currently on life support. And um, questions have been raised whether she's got a... Um, anybody's got, you know, medical power of attorney for poor old Artie on life support. Because the Artie's disgusted. Disgusted. But unfortunately, because of significant changes that have been made in the Australian Broadcasting Corporation over the last 20 years, we now see an organisation that at one stage did provide alternatives to the Australian people become little more than a spokesperson for the 1% that own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. Because it's not about the questions you ask. It's about the questions the Australian Broadcasting Corporation staff never ask because they're never encouraged to ask and if they do ask it, they'll find themselves looking for another job. And when you've been kicked out of the ABC, you may as well kiss goodbye to any media jobs in the uh, private sector. Although it works the other way around, don't you? If you're part of the private corporations that run the media in this country, well, you can always be appointed the CEO, sorry, the chairman of the board of the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. So aunties on life support. Poor old auntie. Poor old auntie. I think the next thing we'll, we'll see is the total privatisation of the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. Now, I know you think I've gone a little bit too far talking about privatisation of the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. It is privatised already. Look, I don't usually waste my time in the Government Guild at ABC. You know I've been talking about the Government Guild at ABC for two decades. Actually, three de- oh, two and a half decades. You know, through personal experience, I must say. And I'll give you a little story. I think I may have told you this story before, but you may be a new listener to the program. There may be one new listener somewhere. Well, in 1999, once a week in the early hours of the day, about 2am, I'd saunter up to the, uh, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation studios in Melbourne and give an anarchist analysis of the week's events. This was during the Howard Regime, You know, people talk about breaking promises. Remember, Mr Howard, core promises and non-core promises? Remember that good old days, 25 years ago? This went on for a few months, and then there were some complaints that there was bias. Could you imagine me being biased against the Howard government? Oh, oh. So they got a senator, a National Party senator from Victoria, Mr Julian McGorran, right? to cross swords with me once a week, you know, in the early hours of the morning on a national thing. And this went on for a few months, and then a directive came from the ABC that the program that we were both... Because I used to win the arguments every time. I mean, 
It's logical. Anarchism is logical. People think it's not logical. It's totally logical. It's based on the principle of breaking down power. Well, it's political power, economic power, social power, cultural power. It's about power. Who has it? Etc. All right? So that went on for a few months. Then we got a, a directive that a program and a programmer who had been broadcasting this particular you know, early morning shift for over a decade, that the program had been terminated. Bang. Terminated. Directive, terminated. Let's get rid of this noxious priest, all right? This anarchist priest. Let's get rid of this noxious priest. That was the end of it. That was 1999. A little bit of protest. Nothing really happened. I mean, I found myself on the board of Friends of the ABC accidentally, but... They even threw me out after a few years. That's the way it goes when you, you speak the truth. So, but things have got much, 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 much worse now. The commentators that come into the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, in the majority of cases, especially on economic questions, especially on political questions, especially on questions of power, not questions of lifestyle, all come from the private sector. Every single one of them comes from the private sector. And so what you see is the same answers to the same questions ad nauseum. They keep telling us there is no other way. Private investment for private, you know, private gain is the only way. This is what I talk about when I talk about the privatisation of the ABC. No wonder Auntie took an overdose and finds herself on life support. She thought to herself, the deities, I cannot believe this, she says to herself. First of all, the staff are unhappy. They pass a vote of no confidence in the CEO. Then the board supports the CEO and then... When the Australian Labor Party has a chance of putting somebody on the board that could actually right the ship, give Auntie a little bit of support, pat her on the head occasionally, stroke her leg, what happens? They appoint a new, a new chairman of the board who was the CEO of News Limited, who was responsible for the filth which came out of Foxtel. No wonder Auntie took an overdose. And the tragedy is, we pay taxes to keep them blaring out corporate propaganda while opinions that don't follow the norm, like the, you know, the guest radio presenter in Sydney, find themselves on the outer and are never in a position to be employed by the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. So, Auntie, I still love you. When you wake up, we'll give you a bit of support and we'll see if we can clean out the Aegean stables because what that's what the ABC has become. It's become a corporatised Aegean stable. 
and we'll need more than one. Ah, was it Samson or was it somebody else to clean out those stables? And that's us, because nobody else will do it. Let's move on. Death of a dream. How can you destroy a dream? Remember when the World Wide Web came upon us in the 1990s? We're all excited. Decentralised. People power. The democratisation of the news. Information. Everybody's a reporter. And what do we have 30 years later? A disgusting, centralised mess. Where the infrastructure, and that's the key, the infrastructure which could have been based based on a decentralised model has now become centralised in the hands of a few players who have an economic turnover greater than the was it the national product or whatever of more than 170 of the so-called independent sovereign nation states which exist on the planet. And that's what people forgot. They forgot the old lesson. He who pays the piper calls the tune. So he or she that owns the infrastructure as far as the World Wide Web is concerned, calls the tune. And if that infrastructure is based on a private investment for private profit model and power is entrenched in a very tiny minority, then we get the World Wide Web that we have today where you, that's right, you, are the product. Your information is their lifeblood because we don't own the infrastructure. The infrastructure is not even owned by the government of the day. It's owned by transnational corporations who have centralised that power and wealth in their hands and will use any mechanism at their disposal because they think they are beyond the law and they are beyond the law of sovereign nation states to maximise their profits irrespective of the damage that is caused to society to the individual to sovereign nation states and the list goes on and on so that's a lesson for young players in the game of life I mean the big talking point now is artificial intelligence it's not about artificial intelligence being bad and good. Obviously, it would be good if we got rid of a lot of boring, meaningless work and actually introduced a universal basic income. But the dilemma is, as with the World Wide Web, is artificial intelligence, are the infrastructure which is required for artificial intelligence, is it owned by the community as a whole? Is it owned by a cooperative? Is it owned by the government of the state? Or is it owned 
by private corporations. And if you see the gyrations in the world's stock markets, you can see that this is the new kid in the block. It's about being owned by private corporations who will then use that technology to maximise their profits irrespective of the human, social and environmental costs. Fascinating, isn't it? Well, it's not that fascinating, but uh, something we should keep an eye on. Now, I don't know if many of you have been to uh, around the world, been to Europe or other places around the world, and you see these wonderful strip shopping centres and you walk into a little shop and this is the fifth generation of being a baker's shop, you know, a small business, you know, and they make nice croissants or whatever. Well, guess what? It'll never happen in Australia. You know why? Currently, there's a tiny little battle happening in North Northcote, which is a little bit of a joke. That's we call North Northcote Castlemaine, little town about 100 k's from the Melbourne CBD. Could be a bit less, maybe 80. Population of 7,000 people. It's got a lot of little shops, a lot of little businesses. It's got two IGAs, which, you know, compete in inverted commas. And the big, the big, the big thing happening is that Woolworths is coming to town. Big corporation coming to town. We'll do a few loss leaders, shut down small businesses, and then increase its prices. That's what usually happens when you've got one major supermarket in a small town, seven to ten thousand people. But it's not just about Castlemaine and North Northcote. It's about Australian business. Unfortunately, the majority of small businesses in Australia think the Liberal National Party is their saviour. Because, you know, they keep talking about small business being the engine room of Australian society. The small business employs up to 5 million Australians. And when there's only about, I think, about... 12 or was it 10 to 12 million Australians employed? That's a significant number. But the fact is, 90% of small businesses close down within five years of opening. And they close down because they cannot compete with transnational corporations. They cannot compete. It is impossible to compete. In Australia, I call this the bananisation of the economy. Now, I'm old enough to remember where you could walk into a hardware shop and, you know, independent hardware shop owned by, you know, a family or an individual and get what you want. That doesn't exist. You find an independent hardware shop somewhere in any metropolitan area. Where there's a population of over 10,000, 10 to 15,000, there's a bunning store. And as soon as the bunning store comes in, the small hardware shop closes. Simple. People call this progress. This is not progress. The bunnanisation of the economy kills competition. And what happens is that profits are not shared by customers, they go to the shareholders. And the bigger the shareholder investment, the bigger the profit. 
So why don't we hear governments talk about protecting small businesses by creating buffer zones in which these large corporations can't set up? Where are these buffer zones? That's how these small businesses have lasted for generations in many parts of the world. That's why when you travel around Australia, you know, the big trip, you buy the $150,000 caravan, which becomes a $100,000 caravan when you first step in it, and then you waste all your fuel going around and you sell your home and you can't get back, and you go from place to place, and you go into shopping malls, and it's the same companies over and over and over and over and over and over again. That's what's called corporatisation, the bananisation of Australian business, Australian society. So, I think the people of North Northcote, Castlemaine, will do the best they can, but without government support, their chances of actually stopping the erection of Woolworths in Castlemaine is nil. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, I know you hate history. I'm a great believer in history. I'll tell you why. It's very simple. You need to um, understand... You need to know the past to understand the present and possibly change the future. If you don't know your past you're not going to get anywhere. You're going to repeat the same mistakes over and over again. Now, I've been doing a lot of research recently in very, very early Australian history. And I'm not talking about First Nations history. I'm talking about colonisation history. And I'm exceptionally interested in the period between 1788 and in 1868. That's an 80-year period. Now, this is a period when Australia was basically a penal colony, especially in the first 40 to 50 years, with the only migrants, apart from uh, soldiers and convicts, were gentlemen of name and quality who came to take up large runs to grow sheep to send wool to the satanic mills in England. Because, you see, Australia is based on three principles. Genocide, free land, free labour. Now, we all know about genocide. Well, some of us do. We all know about free land, but very few people have looked at the free labour aspect of it. And that's what I'm going to look at over the next nine months. I'm doing a whole series of lectures at the Footscray Hotel in Melbourne at 48 Hopkins Street, Melbourne. Well, they're more presentations than lectures regarding Britain's Guantanamo Bay. That's what we've forgotten. Britain's Guantanamo Bay. Because the penal colony was not just about sending people here who were forced into economic crimes because of the social uh, transformation which was occurring in England during the Industrial Revolution. It was much, much more than that. 
the penal colony became a dumping ground for political prisoners. 160,000 convicts came across during that period. One in 45, that's 3,500, were political prisoners. This was Britain's very own Guantanamo Bay. If you had had, uh, people who were agitating for change, you criminalise their activity, you send them off to Australia and hopefully they'll never come back. So we'll be looking at this period and there are nine specific groups of political prisoners which found their way to Australia and they had a profound impact on the type of society that's been created. A profound impact. And most commentators have uh, not really understood the significance of that. So on the third Wednesday of each month, starting in February, I'll do nine presentations over nine months looking at the different groups. And the first group I'll be looking at is the Scottish martyrs uh, who are nationalists who found their way to Australia in the 1790s as political prisoners. Now, you all know that in a few days there's Survival Day, Invasion Day, Australia Day. Look, I'm sorry to say, I'm very sorry to say, the loss of the voice referendum is a tragedy. Because as we've seen in the last 48 hours, and as I have been saying for months before the voice referendum, that if the voice referendum was lost, treaty and truth-telling is dead in the water. See, people don't understand the difference between a referendum and a treaty. In a referendum, people give government permission to move forward. A treaty is an agreement between sovereign groups of people between the government of the day and another party. There will be no movement to treaty. There is no movement to truth-telling and all those individuals who are involved in the No campaign are finally beginning to understand the fact that they were just pawns in a strategy that has was used to ensure that the current situation continues ad nauseum. So Survival Day, Invasion Day, Australia Day, to me is irrelevant. It really is. Because we've lost a once-in-a-generation opportunity to move forward. It's sad, but that's the situation we need to... Find our, we find ourselves in, and that's why I believe that pr- practical truth-telling, as we did with the Tanaminoa Mōbohina commemoration, is the way forward. Because you can't rely on governments or the major players in our society to actually take up this issue, especially when the Australian people in the referendum said couldn't even say yes to a pathetic little voice for First Nations people in the Australian Constitution. Let's move on. More important topic to me anyway. 
I mean, trade unionism is on its knees. It's almost dead in Australia in 2024. It's illegal to strike outside an enterprise bargaining agreement period. Less than 15% of people are in trade unions. Most of them belong in the public sector. In the private sector, apart from the CFMEU, the trade unionism is, as I said, on its knees. Now, we need to understand the beginning of the trade union movement. And on the 1st of March this year, we will, well, I, uh, the Annex Institute will be holding an event that hasn't been held in this country, which should have been held every year since 1822. On the 1st of March, 1822, Mr James Strater was sentenced to 500 lashes, and if he survived that, four weeks in bread and water and solitary confinement, and if he, conf- he survived that, he was to spend the rest of his life in Macquarie Harbour at Maria Island, which was the worst convict settlement in Australia's history, which made Norfolk Island look like a children's party. Now, that was the 1st of March, 1822, and why was he sentenced to this vicious sentence? Because he challenged the third pillar of Australian society. Genocide, three land, three labour. Gentlemen of name and quality were using the convicts' free labour to enrich themselves. Now, he was charged of the heinous crime of encouraging his master's servants to combine in order to oblige him to improve their rations and increase their wages, although they didn't actually get any wages at that particular point in time. So the important word in this is to combine, because that's what trade union is about, is about people of similar ideas, similar needs, combining, and using that combined force to improve their situation. So on the 1st of March this year, we'll be holding a ceremony at the Eight Hour Monument, which I'll speak uh, more about in the future. 1st of March. Think about it. Encouraging his master's servants to combine in order to oblige him to increase their wages and improve their rations. This is the first real beginning of the trade union movement in this country. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. Info at pipsy.net. You can always go to the pipsy.net website and join public interest before corporate interest, which are many of the issues which I raise on the program on a weekly basis. Facebook pages, Joseph Toscano, Toscano for the public. What else? Um... Uh, YouTube channels, public interest before corporate interest, Now, Look, it goes on and on. You can always write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. But ultimately, the type of society we create depends on you. It doesn't depend on me. It depends on you. You can tear up your membership of the Somebody Should Do Something About That Tribe or the Gunner Tribe and become an activist, or you can just sit back and relax while... Your fleece, while every dollar is removed from your pocket in the interests of the country, because we are all Australians, aren't we? 
Thank you once again to those wonderful folk at the Community Radio Network and this program has been coming to you from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne. That's 3CR in Melbourne, which has many wonderful programs, has the Community Radio Network. And the important thing, as I keep telling you, is, look, you can listen to me, but more importantly, do something. If you don't, nothing will change. Listening to The Anarchist World this week, next week, on your local community radio station. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, larger! Well, here we are. Four minutes. As you know, we've been broadcasting during January, unlike many other people, both on the both on Artie and 3CR, but that's a different story. Now, a few things. We will be starting the vigils on Parliament House, the public housing vigils, and Considering the statistics regarding public housing in Victoria, it's all more important. We'll be starting on February the 1st, which is the first Thursday. And yes, the banner has been repaired and updated, so it's all ready to go. February the 1st, midday to 1pm, and then we wander down the street for lunch. That's the way activism should be. As Emma Goldman used to say, I don't want to have any part in your revolution if I can't dance in it. So that's the first one. The second event will be the lunches in Carlton. They're back on board. It'll be Wednesday the third, sorry, the dinner in Carlton, uh, Carlton North I should say, on uh, the 13th of February. That's Wednesday the 13th of February, 6pm to 9pm at La Porchetta in about 3 380 uh, Raftdown Street in Carlton North. You're all welcome, as long as you pay your own way. And if you've got a bit of extra money, you could help to pay for somebody's meal who hasn't got any money that evening, which is always very helpful. So come along. That's uh, for the rest of the year, second Wednesday of the month. That's all the way till December 2024, if we're still here. The third thing is we still haven't decided on a venue, a new venue, for the Frankston lunches on the last Wednesday of the month. So have you got any ideas? Let us know, because we need to start advertising for that, especially if there's a new venue. And I'm starting a new series of lectures or presentations, whatever you like, at the Footscray Hotel at 48 Hopkins Street, Footscray, on the third Wednesday of the month. 6.30pm for a 7pm start. Bring food, 
obviously you can purchase drinks at bar prices but bring food to share and I'm, I'm going to look at something fascinating which I'll talk about during the program. I'm doing a nine-part series on Australia's penal colony. That's right, Eight, 1788 to 1866. I wonder if you knew that one in 45 prisoners that were sent to Australia were political prisoners. I'm sure you didn't. So we'll be looking at that when we start off the Scottish martyrs, but I'll speak more about that. Now, the other thing is that we've still got three extra small T-shirts. If you can't give them to your kids, put them on the big dog. It fits them very nicely. So uh, if you want one, just go to the 3CR website or give them a ring. Let's get rid of them. They're beginning to bore me. Uh, if we can't get rid of them, we may have to burn them. That's the way it goes here in the anarchist world this week. What else? Oh, it should be enough for February. And obviously there's many other things happening around the place. Um, there's many invasion survival day activities. There's the one at Parliament House. There's the one at the Briars on the Mornington Peninsula, which is a, quite a interesting one. There's the one at 5.30am at uh, St Kilda, which is hosted by the Bunarong Land and Sea Foundation. So there's plenty of things you can do. Or you can just ignore the whole lot of it. I mean, it's up to you what you decide to do on the day. So there are many things available. And last but not least, look, I've been broadcasting the Anarchist World this week in various guises, I think for 46 or 47 years. I think it's about time you pulled your weight. Uh, many of our members have died in the Anarchist Institute and are a little bit destitute, as they say. It costs about $100 a week in studio fees and affiliation fees to run this program. So if you can help like you did last year, give us a call on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. And don't forget the uh, the public interest before corporate interest uh, Facebook page. is about I think there's about 300 now um, 20 to 30 minute videos on uh, various topics that you may find of uh, some interest. And you can all that. So... Sacred cows have wandered in from the new temple in uh, India. They've just wandered in. They're a bit sweaty. And uh, here we go. Up in the air. A peace treaty. Not the one you see in Victoria. Not the one you see in Queensland. Well, here we are. Four minutes as you know, we've been broadcasting during January, unlike many other people, both on the both on RT and 3CR, but that's a different story. Now, a few things. We will be starting the vigils on Parliament House, the public housing vigils, and considering the statistics regarding public housing in Victoria, it's all more important. We'll be starting on February the 1st, which is the first Thursday, and yes... The banner has been repaired and updated, so it's all ready to go. February the 1st, midday to 1pm, and then we wander down the street for lunch. That's the way activism should be. As Emma Goldman used to say, I don't want to have any part in your revolution if I can't dance in it. So that's the first one. The second event will be the lunches in Carlton, they're back on board. It'll be Wednesday the third. Sorry, the dinner in Carlton. 
uh, Carlton North, I should say, on uh, the 13th of February. That's Wednesday, the 13th of February, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. at La Poqueta in about 3 380 uh, Raftown Street in Carlton North. You're all welcome, as long as you pay your own way. And if you've got a bit of extra money, you could help to pay for somebody's meal who hasn't got any money that evening, which is always very helpful. So come along. That's uh, for the rest of the year, second Wednesday of the month. That's all the way till December 2024, if we're still here. The third thing is we still haven't decided on a venue, a new venue for the Frankston lunches on the last Wednesday of the month. So if you've got any ideas, let us know because we need to start advertising for that, especially if there's a new venue. And I'm starting a new series of lectures or presentations, whatever you like, at the Footscray Hotel at 48 Hopkins Street, Footscray, on the third Wednesday of the month. 6.30pm for a 7pm start. Bring food. Obviously, you can purchase drinks at bar prices, but bring food to share. And I'm, I'm going to look at something fascinating, which I'll talk about during the program. I'm doing a nine-part series on Australia's penal colony. That's right. Eight, 1788 to 1866. I wonder if you knew that one in 45 prisoners that were sent to Australia were political prisoners. I'm sure you didn't. So we'll be looking at that when we start, not the Scottish martyrs, but I'll speak more about that. Now, the other thing is that we've still got three extra small T-shirts. If you can't give them to your kids, put them on the big dog. It fits them very nicely. So uh, if you want one, just go to the 3CR website or give them a ring. Let's get rid of them. They're beginning to bore me. Uh, If we can't get rid of them, we may have to burn them. That's the way it goes here in the anarchist world this week. What else? Oh, it should be enough for February. And obviously there's many other things happening around the place. Um, There's many invasion survival day activities. There's the one at Parliament House. There's the one at the Briars on the Mornington Peninsula, which is quite an interesting one. There's the one at 5.30am at uh, St Kilda, which is hosted by the Bunarong Land and Sea Foundation. So there's plenty of things you can do. Or you can just ignore the whole lot of it. I mean, it's up to you what you decide to do on the day. So there are many things available. And last but not least, look, I've been broadcasting the Anarchist World this week in various guises, I think for 46 or 47 years. I think it's about time you pulled your weight. Uh, Many of our members have died in the Anarchist Institute and are a little bit destitute, as they say. Costs about $100 a week in studio fees and affiliation fees to run this program. So if you can help like you did last year, give us a call on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. And don't forget the the public interest before corporate interest uh, Facebook page is about... I think there's about 300 now um, 20 to 30 minute videos on uh, various topics that you may find of uh, some interest. And you can all wait. So, the sacred cows have wandered in from the new temple in uh, India. They've just wandered in. They're a bit sweaty. And uh, here we go. Up in the air.